So welcome to React Roundup. We don't have an episode number, but today we're talking about the new React use effect hook. It seems simple at first, but then maybe not. So today on the panel, we've got Lucas Hayes. Hello, everybody. Justin Bennett. Hi, folks. And Dave Cedia. And I am Thomas Ayla. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, folks. I just want to let you know quickly about Netlify. Netlify is a really cool system for hosting what are traditionally known as static sites. However, the real benefit that I've been finding is that I don't have to mess with a back end. I can just set things up. I build the website out. I've been using a system called 11DJS and you just deploy it. And then anything that you have that you want to do, you can do on the front end. So if you want to pull in some kind of database with Firebase or something else, if you want to collect form data, Netlify provides all kinds of services that make it easy to do all that stuff. If you're trying to do serverless, they have a really, really neat serverless setup that will allow you to deploy your websites without having to deploy a backend and it'll do some of the work for you. I just I just love it. So if you're looking for a way that you can actually deploy a website that only has front-end technology in it, gives you all the tools that you typically need for the back-end without having to actually program the back-end, then give them a try. Go check them out at Netlify.com. So who wants to kick it off first? All right, I can start. First of all, question to you all. Use effect. Is it a good API or a bad API? Is yeah. there a such thing as a good API and a bad API? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the, the question's really good for what and bad for what. That's for great. Who. That's great. So, all right. So, imagine for the usual use case, like I need to fetch some data whenever I'm in my application. You can have the, the data maybe you need to fetch on different uh, moments of your application. Does the use effect way of doing it make things easier or make things more complicated than the previous way of doing it or like even alternative ways outside of react this is a it's a very like hard nuanced problem i think there's many layers to this as your needs get more and more complicated the the thing that i like about use effect is it's very it's very descriptive of the thing that it does, right? So it's like, oh, I have side effects here. I'm using or calling this use effect method and it's like running some side effects. And like from a very base level, great, easy, simple. It's when you have like actual dependencies on things is when it starts getting complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's I think it's like a nice succinct API. I think comparing if you if you got yeah, the sort of old style lifecycle code in a class component compared to the equivalent use effect stuff, it can be a lot shorter, but there's sort of the cost of like, you have to learn how, how use effect works up front. And there's kind of the, you know, different dimensions to it with the dependencies array and the thing it returns and how that all interplays. It feels very much like, like React is being boiled down to its absolute core functionality and that maybe for specific use cases like data fetching, we're not supposed to use like the the core power of like use effect raw. We're supposed to use something higher level, like mixes in like suspense and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's think about like the, the normal. Before we talk about subscriptions, I, I think that the first examples were all related to subscriptions, right? 
Because to subscribe to something in the old in the old life cycles uh, world was weird, because in life cycles like you have uh, you have like a point in time, at, at at some point in time in this component life, I will run this piece of code. So if you want to subscribe to something in a in a component, you needed to know like where, like is it. Component did mount, component will mount, component I don't know what, right? And where do I unsubscribe? So this was very complicated in the previous, uh, in the previous world, right? So I imagine that we learned it, but it's not easy. It was not easy. It was not simple. Like we actually like learned that component did mount was the correct place. Component will mount is the correct place to unsubscribe. So in that sense, for subscriptions stuff, it seems that use effect is being like more declarative. Like you just you just tell like I want to subscribe, and this is the way you want to subscribe, and this will be done automatically by React runtime for this particular component. So the idea I think it's great because it's more declarative. Like I don't need to to think about like where in the life cycle moment things happen. I just yeah. tell like, how do you subscribe? How do you unsubscribe? But it's not as simple as that because you have the dependencies of the subscription and and then comes the part that I think is the most, is the weirdest part of this API, which is the second, the second parameter, which after you learn yeah. about it, you understand it, but it's weird. It's like you have one behavior for undefined, one behavior for empty array, which is almost the opposite. And then you put all the, or you can put all the parameters of this effect, all the inputs of this effect in that array, which means like, what does this effect depend on? So. I think we're kind of getting into the, the weeds of the, like the implementation API specifics. It might help to just kind of review, like what problem are they trying to solve? Like I remember a couple years ago, the hot topic was like everybody hated how spaghettified state management was and subscribing and unsubscribing it was just like littered throughout your code and throughout your your component class. And so after years of working on this, they finally found a, a solution where you can encapsulate and componentize state management in a way that's reusable across many components. Now, the specific implementation of that and the specific API of that, and there, there are definitely some weirdnesses there, but the concept of that, the, the ability to just take an entire block of code encapsulate it into a single like custom hook and use that in multiple places is absolutely life-changing. Yeah, separating the the rendering from like the sort of logic of the what the component does. So like for the longest time, we were like treating, there were like data components, a component that rendered nothing, right? It just rendered as children, <laughs> but it did yeah. data things, right? And so this kind of ultimately becomes a replacement for that sort of mechanism. Well, I mean, you can still do that, but it still works. But those but never like, really made any sense to me. Like, wait, it's but it could render something, but it's not, but what's happening? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting, though, because, like, you could have this, like, declarative sort of structure where you could see, like, oh, well, this thing is, like, uh, you know, a scrollable box or whatever, you know, like, I, I don't know what you would, you know, whatever it does. But anyway, now, like, having this 
sort of different level of abstraction where it's like purely focused on functionality that you can share across components is, is, is pretty yeah, cool. like a, like an actual function instead of having to make a new component that is sort of pretending to be a function. <laughs> right. Right. I think that's the, like use effect lets you, lets you slice and dice a component and, and pull out pieces of it. So if you have, if you have like two or three subscriptions that you're trying to manage, instead of trying to like cobble all that code together in a couple lifecycle methods, you can pull it out into like three separate custom hooks that each call their own use effect. And yeah, ultimately it's easier to use, easier yes. to reuse. And test. Yeah, so what's happening here is that so before we had life cycle methods, which we needed to understand which point in time to run subscriptions and unsubscriptions, which is bad. And now we have like a more declarative API. And also you can share as, as soon as you like figure out how to, to do that subscription, you can share it. So this was a problem before, right? You had like logic in component did mount, in component did update, in component will mount, and you could not share those. You needed to have like at least three functions to to be able to share those. It was super weird. Yeah, I have I, yeah, I have a, a couple of projects with like a bunch of resized listeners, <laughs> you know, like everywhere. And it's like, why why do we need to repeat this? This is like really commodity code, but you just just it's cumbersome. You need to, and then you create like the higher order components or the render props, which we learn to to live with them, but they are weird. Like a random yeah. prop is weird. They never felt <laughs> right, especially yeah. higher order components. Just felt like just wrong in some way that I couldn't quite wrap my mind around. It just like felt gross. When I tried to type one with TypeScript, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Like I, I'm thinking today, like this actually typing a harder component is actually like making you thinking thinks through what's actually happening. And it's yeah. really complicated stuff. Switching to TypeScript a couple years ago really forced me to become a better engineer and, and get really, really strict about my APIs. And it forced me to think through problems that I'd never thought through before. But this is not a TypeScript <laughs> episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole today. Yeah. Do you think that the new use effect is, 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 is easier to use with types than than before? I don't think there's a whole lot of impact. Um, we, use, we use TypeScript pretty heav heavily and like you get hints with types, but I don't think like the impact of that is like any different than like using a lifecycle hook mm -hmm. for that matter. Okay. Yeah. So for subscriptions, I think we all, we all agree that it's a much better abstraction than what we had before, right? Yeah, there's definitely a learning curve, but it, it feels better. It feels better. So, so yeah, the, my my whole thing about hooks in general is like, yeah, I generally like the abstraction, um, and and I understand like a lot of the value of it, but it just feels like there are a lot of foot guns, like there's a lot of them, and I'm all about you know using tooling where we can to make make things better. So the the React Core team released an ESLint plugin to like help with like common hooks pitfalls and you absolutely should 100% be using that. But I can't help but think that like, because we need tools to tell us, Hey, this is the wrong way to do this thing. Or, Hey, did you think about this? That there's something just not quite right with the abstraction yet. Well, it depends on, on your level of, 
of power. You know, if you want to just like drive to the store, you're perfectly happy with a self-driving car. You don't need to care about the details. But some people want the power of a stick shift. But you have to learn a lot in order to master a stick shift. It seems like React is going more towards the the even more stick shift than a stick shift level of being super basic or like focused. It's not basic. <laughs> providing like lower level. It's, it's yeah. more low level. Yeah, it's a lower level primitive. So like the biggest thing though, I feel like is just I'm going through this with my team right now. So this is why it's kind of fresh on my mind is that you really you can't use these things without thinking about them. That like that sort of naivety of like the approach of like, I'm just going to do this thing is it doesn't really apply anymore. Like you need to know, like what is the second argument for use effect and why would you use it and why do you care? Like, you know, that's something that I'm sure not everybody's going to know just generally right off. So that sort of thing of like, oh, well, there's these cases that might happen, you know, that could like seriously degrade the performance of my application or, you know, have some other impact that, you know, just requires people to to like be more in tune with what React is doing. And I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. My concern is that React is hugely popular and everybody and their grandmother who's trying to learn JavaScript <laughs> jumps into React. And like, this is a very advanced like level of abstraction. And I'm just like worried about like people and this learning curve. For some context around that, like one of the core principles and, and motivations behind React is to make it much more approachable to people who aren't on your team to jump in, make progress and jump back out again. So they've definitely thought through a lot of those issues. And I remember when I was like actually reading the documentation for Hooks on a live stream. Um, it took about four hours. Yeah. <laughs> like they actually gave some reasoning about why they chose to do this. Like it, it forces you to think through things that it feels like are unnecessary. But before, it's like the issues are still the same, but Hooks forces you to deal with it instead of you having unjustified certainty that everything's fine when you've not thought through those problems at all because they're just not presented to you as problems. Justin, to, to be fair, to, to react, I, I, I don't think that what we have before was like that uh, intuitive. Like oh, we, well, yeah. we, all had, we all had to reach out to those, to those uh, where do each life cycle happen? <laughs> right. Like, where, I like, it up yeah, every time. That, that's it. Like, where does uh, the the one that transforms uh, props to state, you know, things like that. So it's it, yeah, it was it was already yeah, it it was already not very intuitive. I think that React is not easy for for beginners for people who are starting out. It's not that intuitive. Like if you're if you only have the render, like if you only have like the functional components without any like old style without any hooks it's pretty simple but as soon as you have like class components and then you have the this dot set state and stuff like that it's not that it's not that that intuitive a lot of people like a lot of smart people like 
have trouble with it. So, yeah. So I, I don't know if we have more or less trouble now. I guess it depends on what you already know. Like, what world are you coming from? Because mm. you might have just assumptions that that are challenged by... Like, I came from the, like the Mutuals world back in the day. And mm-hmm. so, you know... It's absolutely nothing like that at all. <laughs> and then when I, after knowing React for a long time, I tried to learn Angular and I was like, oh crap, I feel like such a moron. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's like a whole different world, the Angular stuff, right? <laughs> right. But I, I, sort of, I sort of came at it from the other direction where I went from like jQuery to Angular 1 to React and mm. React felt like a much cleaner abstraction to me where you're just like writing JavaScript and... It's like you call set state and the thing re-renders when you call set state. Perfect. Boom, um, Yeah, but but also I'd I'd been a developer for years at that point too. Like I, you know, like the idea of functional programming and stuff wasn't new. And I think if if it is, especially like if you're new to JavaScript and like closures, I think were really mind bending for me when I was getting into JS. And I think hooks kind of rely on your knowledge of closures a lot more than the old yeah. stuff did. But you don't have to know about this, which is huge. That's, that's, like that's great. That's great. Level of yeah, because yeah. this is also so, terrible. Yeah, this is a, a thing that, that, that I was, I, I even tweeted the other day about uh, abstractions. All abstractions are leaky. Mm. So, yeah, like everything that we use yeah. for enough time in production, at some point we need to go like, we yeah. need to go deep. We need to understand the, the way it works. And if some somebody is like starting now, I can even say like you need to know like how, how like HTTP requests work <laughs> at oh, some yeah. point in your life. It's like because weird things happen and you need to know like TCP protocols. You need at some yeah. point you will. So one thing that 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 that, that I think about uh, when uh, thinking about which abstractions to use here and there is that since all abstractions are going to leak. When it leaks, is it going to be complicated or not to understand what's happening? Mm. So in you need that thousand dollar an hour <laughs> expert to come and solve yeah, your in, problems, or in that you? sense, it seems to me that hooks are are. Uh, this is one of the problems, like understanding under what is happening under the hood with the with the hooks is not straightforward. I was actually going to say the opposite, where I think that hooks kind of expose the abstractions. Like it's a low enough level thing where like you you have to understand how like for use effect anyway, I think because use effect is probably the most complicated one, but you have to understand how use effect works. But once you understand the intricacies of like how you call it and what the arguments mean and stuff, I think there aren't like weird edge cases that are you have to dive into like React internals to figure out how it works. Like you, yeah, you're kind of okay at that point. But getting getting to that point is non-trivial. I think. I think part of it, though, the the addition of all the extra tooling and warnings and, and everything to keep you on that golden path. Like one of, the, one of the things they say at Facebook all the time is like the pit of success of like you should be able to do the right thing on accident without trying. And it should, yeah. it, you sh- should be possible to do crazy stuff, but you should know that you're doing something crazy. Yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, this is really good. This is yeah. really good. Like it's the easy... If you, if you do code, uh, if you code the easiest way possible, it's a good way of coding. That's a good. Yeah. If you start Which, doing something smart, <laughs> yeah, Darby dragons. Yeah, yeah. I think 
I think like one of the one of the big foot guns with use effect that I've bitten myself with a couple times is like the infinite data fetching problem where you oh, get the yeah. arguments wrong and it just like keeps hammering the API and doing it hand or whatever. <laughs> and then and then you need to to it's like if you have like hot reloading and stuff, you even need to like kill your browser sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I had to kill my browser two or three times. So yeah, mm. so this is the thing. Okay, so for subscriptions, it seems really good. But for data fetching, it seems that there's some weirdness stuff happening. And even then, Abramov said that uh, don't use it for data fetching now. Like we'll do something better. Like yeah, in the future. I think the is going to make it better. It feels like there, it's a three-legged stool of like, you know, React solved the, you know, one leg of the stool originally of like reusable, componentized... Uh, UI and whatever. Here's some lifecycle hooks. Figure the rest out yourself. Mm-hmm. And then hooks is like the the second leg of like, okay, we've solved lifecycle hooks in a reusable, componentized way. And like the third leg of the chair is data fetching and caching and all that stuff. And that's like officially not solved yet. Although the the hooks for it, the hooks, the uh, the suspense is there. So like. They, they're giving us clues of where they're headed, but like officially, it's not solved yet. Mm-hmm. And the the second leg of the stool, use uh, hooks, is not it. Something else is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So suspense itself is more about suspending a rendering because something is not done in that particular component, right? Yeah. But the actual data fetching is not done by suspense, right? It's, right. And in their in their like early suspense talks, they, they use like something like React Cache or something like that. Yeah. So do you think that what's gonna happen is that they will give us a way of fetching data that will communicate with React that data is being fetched instead of using fetch they will give us like another abstraction. It feels like what they're using internally is is relay or you know the new relay, which under the hood probably uses hooks and suspense and all that jazz. Like I don't think there's anything new coming to React itself for data fetching. I think the the ways in which the data fetching thing that comes, whether it's React Cache or whatever it is, is gonna be hooks and suspense. Like, I think those are kind of the, the ways in which things will interface with the React universe. And the React is being very strictly defined as UI and UI-related stuff only. Yeah, I, I do think that like the, the, the examples I've seen of, of um, suspense 
sort of like they have something that does the data fetching, but all it does is call your function and expect that you return a promise. So you can kind of do whatever you want in there as long as you return for a promise. You could use fetch or Axios or whatever. I think that's probably a good, sort of a nice functional way to do it. Let the user use whatever they want. Just make sure the contract is clear. Yeah, and breeding competition so they don't have to solve everything. Right. But do you think they'll they'll introduce like something similar to use effect, like something like use fetch or like use get data, is data getter? I don't know. I I don't think they will because I think they would have by now if they if they if they wanted to. I think that would have been in like release number one. Because all the all these hooks are very low level. Any you could build your own use fetch or whatever on top of use effect and set use state and all the other Mm -hmm. things. But will the thing is like will it trigger the suspense? Like is suspense understand? Okay, so I have a child component that is still like fetching data. So do not throw a promise from inside a hook too, right? Yeah, but then it's leaking the abstraction, right? Like the fact that a promise is being thrown, it's it's implementation detail of suspense. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not. <laughs> maybe that is part of the API. Just throw a promise from anywhere, yeah, this is, anytime, yeah. and it'll just work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that the the throwing promise thing was like okay. So this is yeah. I thought it was an implementation detail. I don't know. Like I remember we were toying around with that back in the MooTools days, and it's like. Well, browsers just suck at this, so let's we're not allowed to try this. Let's look at it again in a decade. And then Sebastian's like, it's been a decade, let's use it. <laughs> so we talked about like the golden path and we talked about like, you know, leaky abstractions and understanding those. So I, I think there's really two things here that like everybody should take away like today. One is definitely use the ESLint rules. Definitely, 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 definitely for hooks. Mm-hmm. They save you from yourself, um, and they're they're really really well done. Actually, I'm going to add a third point to this. Read the docs; like that will also just help you just form a good mental model about what's going on. I mean, the docs are are very very well written, um, and I think anybody Great. using hooks at all, any no matter what hook you're doing, you should just do yourself a service and go through the docs, or listen to to my video where I read the docs at you. Oh, yeah. Even better. That's a good one. You should link the video. Okay. Third thing, and and this is um, something that I'm interested to get y'all's input on, but I think if you don't know how to do it now, you should learn how to profile React apps. You should learn how to figure out how many times your component's rendering and what's going on underneath the hood. So You're responsible for that problem. Yeah, React tools, React Profiler, like you need to know what those things are <laughs> and how to <laughs> use them. Yeah. Oh, and the new yeah. React tools are coming out soon and they look hot. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah. We should do an episode of those when they come out. Yeah. yeah so you want to talk sure. about the actual API of, of hooks now? Let's do it. Yeah. Of the user effects, right? Yeah. That third argument is so confusing. So I, I, heard. I think I think as soon oh, as you know. <laughs> if it's a dependency array, if you call it a dependency array, I think it it starts to make more sense. When I first heard about it, I think it was maybe probably Dan talking about how you just like mechanically copy all of the variable, every variable you use in the function should be in that array. Just mechanically copy them all there, you'll be fine. 
And then I think later I saw the phrase dependencies array and I was like, oh, that, that makes sense. So like what, what variables in scope does this function depend on? Because if it depends on those variables, then the function should rerun whenever those things change. And so you put those in the array and then it can diff them basically, I guess, right? And it'll rerun your effect whenever one of those things changes. I think it was designed so that it could, like you could have a tool that could build that array for you just by yeah. not analyzing your code. So it might be a good time to take a step back and let's just talk about uh, use effects from like a beginner's perspective. If like we got any people that are joining us who are like not super familiar with React hooks, hi, and also sorry. <laughs> so use effects itself takes uh, one argument, which is a function. Mm -hmm. And then optionally, a second argument, which is ultimately a performance optimization, which is essentially what it exists for. As Dave was pointing out, that performance optimization, it's, it's an array of variables that are used inside of that first function that you passed of like any, um, yeah, variables, anything that is used inside of your component that might change. So this, this optimization says that only rerun these effects when something in this array has changed. Otherwise, I think the default run mode is it, it reruns it on every render. Is that true? Every time the render functions run. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, these dependencies are usually props that were passed to your components or any state that you declared before the, the use effect. But you can so, also use something that is derived from those things as well. Yes, yes, or yeah, yes, directly or, or derived. So an example is, is if I subscribe to changes on the giver entity and I pass the ID of the entity as props, right? So I'm going to use that ID in my use effect and I can put this ID variable that I received via props in, a, in an array. Yeah. So the subscription will only run when this ID changes. So... There's one more detail of the first parameter because it's a function and what the function returns is actually unsubscription. It's any cleaning, cleaning code for the effect itself. Which sounds really confusing until you actually play with it and it makes more <laughs> sense when you actually get some experience yeah. with it. If you work with event listeners and stuff, like usually they, usually when you create a listener that function, uh, w when you register a listener, that function returns you an unsubscriber of sorts. So usually that happens, right? So you need to... API I love, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I like that. But I wouldn't say it's, it's uh, an optimization thing, uh, Justin, because uh, it's only an optimization if, if your effects are... If you can run multiple times with this, without any different effect. If your effect is something that, that cannot be run more than once, it's not an optimization. It's like you need to make this only run once, right? I don't know if, it, if it, it's some metric you are, you are uh, recording something. But it is a way to, to explicitly declare that you, how, how often and when exactly this thing is run right there where you're declaring it. Yeah, that's it. 
But the most confusing thing about this array, I think this array is, is, is amazing. Like if the array is empty, that means it doesn't have any dependencies, it will only run once. If you put over the things in this array, it will wait for these other things to change. But if you don't pass an array, it will run every time on every render. So this is probably like the weird part. I think this is the part that everybody, uh, it's kind of like, this doesn't make any sense. Like undefined is almost like the opposite of the empty array. But to be fair, like... Undefined is the same as not putting an argument at all. Yes. So not putting an argument, I I would think in my mind that it would be the same as like an empty array. It's like I have no dependencies. But imagine if that was the default and like you'd ask yourself, why the heck is this only running once? What do I have to do to make it do what I expect? You know, what's the, what's the more sane default? We need to choose like what, what the heck thing that people will say. People will either say like, why the heck is it like running on every render? Or why the heck is it only running once? So I guess, yeah. I guess by default, running every single render makes sure that it actually logically functions and you add, need to add code to optimize the performance. Whereas... Like unsubscribing and resubscribing every single render, it's like that. Not that big of a deal. It's not going to break anything. It's just going to slow things down, maybe. But only doing that for the first render would be weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But to be clear, like all we're expressing is like this component has a side effect. Other than just rendering UI in React's normal flow, it does something else. I think the right. problem becomes is that you can just do anything inside of there, right? So it could be a, a performance thing. But I mean, like in their examples, like a simple example is just up, updating the document title. And like, there's probably no problem for that to happen every render. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. who cares, right? Mm-hmm. And also like maybe the performance concerns of like when that thing's happened should be like a little bit above that component. Like you don't want that component to re-render all the time, right? So, like, from that perspective, you know, it, it seems fine. It's like when you start using it for, like, more complicated, more expensive things, when it's like, oh, crap, I can't afford to do this every time. Mm-hmm. Or you get in an improper state. I just will point out, though, that this whole, this sec- the documentation for the second argument in the docs is grouped under this section. That's like, tip, optimizing performance by skipping effects. Like, that's how they frame this whole functionality. So, you know, maybe it'd be best to like reframe it a little bit. But I mean, from their perspective, it's totally a performance thing. So that makes me wonder based on intent, if we're using it in a way that functionally is not correct unless we provide the dependency array, does that mean we're using it for a capability that the React team did not intend for it to be used? I think this is where we need to read the documentation again, because there's both optimizing it for how it works today, but also thinking, making sure that we're staying on the golden path so that wherever they take it in the future, we're staying in line with their intentions. But I think we have to do picks now because we're running out of time. <laughs> Sounds good. This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take-home projects. And that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. 
You do one brief online interview with them. And if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs. And this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com slash react. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through Triplebyte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. Dave, what are your picks for this week? Um, so let's see, I've got, I've got a couple things. Actually, I guess related to this, re- related to this discussion, I'll paste in, um, I saw a tweet from Kent C. Dodds talking about a, he, he made a kind of wrapper around use effect that uh, makes it safer for avoiding infinite request cycles. So, <laughs> Whoa. Um, yeah, I think he's intending it for development purposes. You know, it's, it's like not meant to be shipped to, to production, but I think he was sort of around the idea of like doing workshops or something and avoiding helping people avoid uh, the infinite request cycle thing that you can run into with use effect. Also, Ryan's tweet about how to think about use effect in terms of like when does the effect run? Not when does the effect run, but but more like with which state does it synchronize? I think that's an interesting way to think about it. I also got a I have YouTube a video of a talk that um, Ryan Florence and Michael Jackson gave in Boston. They gave a talk called Fun with React Hooked, where they talk about use effect and just kind of like how hooks work in general, which is really good. That's it for me. All right, Lucas. All right, my pick uh, this week is a really interesting and very weird experimentation. Someone built a chat using only CSS. And that's well, what? How does that no, work? There's no JS in the client. <laughs> so it's like it's only by like, the, the, the page are generated like on the server side. And when you click buttons, it changes the image in the background. But the image in the background is actually a request to, to the server. What? And then, <laughs> and then the server has like a Redis pub sub. And it's, it's essentially like a crazy chat with only CSS. And that's, that's one of the craziest mm. things with only CSS that I've seen. And it's amazing. So, yeah, that's my pick. Hi, cool. Justin. Okay, so I have two things today. Um, one, I have been retheming my OSX interface. So I've been making my Mac look all pretty. And I saw on Twitter someone mentioned this uh, icon set called Dusk. So it's at dusk.now.sh. Uh, so it's like a lot of like really simple icons for uh, native apps. So like there's things for Finder, uh, like common things like Discord or you know whatever else. So they let you like you can go in and like change colors on it and everything. It's it's really great. I love it. So that's one thing. Make your make your Mac look pretty. The other thing is so Facebook just had uh, their F8 conference recently, and one of the videos in the F8 conference was building the new facebook.com with React, GraphQL, and Relay. It's probably one of the most exciting technical demos that I've seen in a really, really long time. 
So if you haven't watched it, I urge you to do so. Um, they talk about some really interesting things like how they bake performance into their infrastructure. They talk about uh, how they do data fetching with Relay and like how they do like asynchronous dependencies for Relay. They also talk a little bit about uh, their new approach to how they handle styles. Like it's a phenomenal, phenomenal technical demo. And like, if you want to see like <laughs> what, when the grass is actually greener, if you want to see what that looks like, watch this video. It's <laughs> That's all for me today. All right, cool. So my pick of the week is uh, The Design of Everyday Things, which is a, an absolute uh, must-read and must-reread for anybody who does anything even remotely near user interfaces. It was originally written in like 1988 and then revised in 2002. And it's just, it goes into the design of, of things, the most basic things in life, door handles and faucets and buttons on a telephone and all these things and how you can design them in a, in a human-centric way or a, a human-hostile way and how you can intentionally make things more natural affordances so that it just matches with how the human brain works or how you can do the exact opposite if you want to discourage the use of something dangerous, for example. And absolute must-read for anybody in UI. I think that about wraps it up for this episode of React Roundup. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more. <laughs>